President Trump's new tax law has changed a lot of things. The tax brackets, deductions and exemptions, capital gains taxes, and more. What's different and what stayed the same? We've got a handy guide containing key financial data for 2018. Just visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click special offer to download it for free. You'll have those changes plus important tax deadlines, retirement account contribution limits, useful Social Security and Medicare info, and much more right at your fingertips. Just click special offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to download it free. Number five is try new things. And, you know, we got this cookie jar by our bed, and we just have a notepad there, and we just write notes at random, each one of us, and we kind of drop them in the cookie jar. Neither one of us knows what the other one's writing, but it's just things that we have thought about in our area, you know, keeping an eye out, things that we can try. And we're determined to try as many new things as we can over the next year to see what we like. So is there ever been a time where you opened up the cookie jar and read what your wife said and were like, <laughs> there's no chance? No, you're bad. No, I, I haven't even thought about that. I swear, I've never even thought about doing that. That's Fritz Gilbert from the retirementmanifesto.com. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, he'll share with us his 10 commandments for retirement. Actually, it's 11, but that extra one is important. Plus, Big Al's got 10 ways you can pay less in taxes every year. And Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs have set off more market moves, but could they also jack up the price of your Jack and Coke? Let's find out. Here are Joe Anderson, CFP, Big Al Clopine, CPA, and Jason Thomas, CFP. JT. I'm, that's your new nickname, buddy. What do you think? That sounds pretty good. There's a lot of really cool people with JT. Right? Exactly. You got um, Justin Thomas. Are you related? I am not. You know who he is? I do not. He's a golfer. <laughs> and then Justin Timberlake. You know who he is? I do. Okay. Well, but you know who Jason Thomas is, don't you? Yes. Th- that is you. <laughs> Certified exactly. financial planner. He's our financial educator at Pure Financial Advisors. Are you ready to have some fun, bud? I definitely am. Hey, you've been reading anything interesting lately? Yeah, I've been looking at a few uh, a few different kind of financial-related topics. One of them that kind of caught my eye, you know I'm from Tennessee, or at least I grew up there. I haven't been back in a while, but the Jack Daniels Distillery is in Tennessee, and they, of all people, have uh, voiced some concerns about kind of the tariff discussion. So I thought, this is one of the things out there that kind of has some potential unintended consequences. So maybe kind of going over that would be uh, would be kind of interesting. So what are they doing? What the, it, You got some tariffs on whiskey? We pass our steel tariffs. The EU has stated that they may threaten to uh, place similar retaliatory tariffs on other American items, whiskey being one of the ones that was mentioned specifically. So the CEO of uh, Jack Daniels or Brown Foreman, the company that uh, that owns them, came out and uh, mentioned that that would obviously affect them and be kind of an unintended consequence. And I, I thought that's just kind of so interesting in general how any financial decision we make has a consequence later on which may or may not be what we want to happen. Hey, well, why don't you explain to the listeners what a tariff is? Sure. So a tariff is basically a fee of sorts on exports coming in to uh, the country. So if the United States says we are going to place a tariff on foreign goods of some kind, uh, then that would be an additional cost that would be borne by the consumers. And usually the purpose of that tariff is to favor domestic manufacturers of a of a certain item, and I, I was thinking to myself, of course, I I had that that company on the mind, so I thought of an of an alcohol analogy of sorts. We've all been to a restaurant and looked at a wine list, and it's always really expensive. It's way more expensive than you would have in the grocery store, 
And that's because there is a prohibition on taking wine from other places into the store. So they can basically charge you whatever you want when you're in the restaurant. The equivalent of a tariff, though, uh, to just kind of make an analogy, would be the corkage fee. If they say, hey, you can bring your wine from wherever you want into our restaurant, but we're going to charge you 20 bucks to do it or whatever it is. That Think of that as something very similar to what a tariff does uh, in the world when we're talking about any other good that comes into the country. So let's talk a little bit more about what this um, tariff plan is. It's 25% on imported steel and 10% on imported aluminum. So if you're a manufacturer of either of those things abroad, that would have a uh, a substantial effect on your business trying to bring your uh, your goods to the United States. And so what they're trying to do is to protect the steel workers here in the United States and aluminum um, manufacturers and, and makers here in the U.S. Exactly. It's, it's a protectionist move, like most tariffs are. Now, in general, um, that's only step one, though, because, of course, if you charge a tariff, what can we see as the next step? Well, maybe everyone else does which means that if that happens, then that is well, one aspect of what is often called a trade war. And that can raise prices for everyone. See, um, in general, a free market without tariffs benefits all parties involved if everyone plays by the rules. That's not always the case, and that's some of the criticism that is leading the current administration to want to impose uh, these types uh, of tariffs. But um, if everyone does it, then everyone is paying more. And then so going back to full circle with the article that you read, how the, the whole trickle-down effect, I guess, how is that going to affect me having a, a Jack and Coke? Well, it could increase the cost of your Jack and Coke, or maybe, maybe take it even a step further than that. Maybe some of the smaller off-brands that they also produce uh, might not be as uh, economically viable anymore. Maybe some smaller companies that can't compete are no longer able to do so. Maybe they don't have as much political clout to uh, fight things from a legislative standpoint or are not economically viable enough to survive in general. So it's not just a matter of uh, potentially paying more for the same good or services, not only you, but people elsewhere also, but it's also um, potentially making those products less viable if the tariffs are severe enough. You know, it's funny because we've been living in a quite volatile market, and it just seems like all sorts of news, no matter good, bad, or indifferent, it's it's triggering the markets a little bit more violently than, than we've seen in, in, in quite some time. And I think it always boils back to understanding what the information that you are receiving in, in diving in a little bit deeper to see how that's going to affect you and making sure that, A, first of all, the, the market already knows, in, in a sense, right? All the information is readily available, so they act fairly quickly on that information, and sometimes they overreact. And then I think that trickles down to the individual as well. As the market overreacts, I think the human or us retail investors tend to overreact too, and we, we, we might be doing the wrong things at the wrong time. Uh, particularly in the current environment, there's so much speculation. But I think uh, people have kind of accepted a certain amount of of political and information volatility, and therefore it doesn't necessarily translate into market volatility because it's just kind of a new normal. You know, um, with this whole Trump bump, right, that people were talking about um, last year in the overall markets, you know, there's been statistics looking at Bush and Barack when their first year was actually higher than Trump's. So, you know, you, you get the media involved. And they like to, um, you know, sell things. 
and in it, it, it basically kind of screws people's <laughs> perception, I think, and also their ability to make really good decisions. Because, oh, you know, if you look at January alone, Jason, you probably know the statistics well. It's how much money that flowed into equity mutual funds. It was like an all-time record of individuals buying stocks in January. January was a phenomenal month. And then we had a little bit of a hiccup in February, and there was more outflows in the S&P 500 SPY index fund or, or ETF in history. It's like well, th- these people think that, all right, well, here, I'm just going to buy an S&P 500 mutual fund and, you know, I'm diversified and I'm going to hold it for the long term. And I think that just is not reality because so much information's out there. If it's tariffs, if it's, you know, I- anything else, what, what the, whatever information comes out, it seems like people will still consistently react the wrong way. Yes. And one of the things that is uh, potentially troubling about that uh, observation is that when you're talking about market value, well, perception is to a degree reality. If people think that something is um, is on the upswing, then that will alter the course of whether it is or not. Or the reverse is certainly true. So you can um, you can have those things that have an initial effect, which might you might want to call it a bubble, or you just want want to call it exuberance, or whatever whatever term you want to use. But they create real effects in the world that are beyond just the initial. Uh, initial perception, and and that can lead to momentum, or that can lead to uh, whatever the the opposite of momentum, kind of a cooling off. So, um, I I don't uh, think that those uh, those kind of marketing points about how the market is doing are unimportant. They certainly have an effect, which is which is really um, interesting because not all of the information that is having effect is necessarily relevant or quality information. Coming up next week on Your Money, Your Wealth, we're joined by Robert Farrington of thecollegeinvestor.com. How did he become a millennial money expert, and how is he helping Gen Y start investing for their future? Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a minute. While you're there, catch up on 16 money tips and mind tricks from Aaron Lowry of brokemillennial.com and learn the seven secrets for a happy, successful retirement. Too busy to listen, or if you just prefer to read your podcasts, transcripts are available. Check it all out at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. I got Fritz Gilbert on the line. Fritz is back with us. He's been on before. Awesome guest. He's got the retirementmanifesto.com. Fritz, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you, Joe. I was excited to hear from you. We're 92 days away from retirement, so we're getting into the final innings here. It's great to catch up with you. I appreciate it. Hey, well, you know, last time you were on the show, you were sitting in your car because you didn't want the dog to bark (laughs) I mean, are you sitting in your car in your driveway right now? I, I'm actually sitting in my truck. I bought a new truck because we bought a fifth wheel as part of our, you know, getting ready to think. So, yeah, I'm sitting in the exact same place, but I'm in a different vehicle this time. <laughs> I'm now in my, my F-250. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a little sound studio here, and the dogs are, <laughs> you know, removed. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of my little secret place to do a podcast. It works pretty well. Oh, <laughs> that is too funny. So, what, June 9th is the, what, the drop dead date? That's your retirement date? That's it. Yep, that's uh, my last day, and uh, and uh, off we go. So I'll be 55 years old, and uh, we're we're heading on to the next adventure. So we're excited about it. So you came up with uh, 10 commandments of retirement. I want to talk to you about the 10 commandments. Come on, I'll tell you what I did. Those were really 
you know, I think an important thing is you're getting ready for retirement based on what I've read. I mean, this is my first time, right? It's hopefully my only time of doing this. But a lot of the stuff I've read said that the best thing that you can do as you're getting ready for retirement is to really spend some time and think about what your life's going to be like after retirement. So these 10 retirements were really just kind of my self-reflection on the things that I wanted to make sure I focused on after I retire. So that's kind of what led to the post. And I, I had fun with it. I've, I've gotten some really good responses and it's been a popular post. So yeah, I'd love to talk about it. You know, you're retired hiring really young 55 i mean i suppose now this whole fire movement is going on right financially independence retire early where people were say you know people are saving 95 percent of their income um but you did something maybe a little bit different it's still aggressive um but you, you made a plan and you said hey 55 is my number and uh june 9th is, is is your date so congratulations but you you got a long way to i mean you got a long life ahead of you what you got to start planning now what the heck you're going to do with yourself yeah, let's, let's hope I have a long life ahead of me. But, you know, you, you never know, and not to be morbid, but, you know, part of our whole thought process was, look, we know we're healthy now. We like to get outside and do stuff, hike mountains, you know, do whatever. And and if we had a chance to make this happen at a little bit younger age than normal, then that's that many more years that we had a pretty good chance of being healthy and able to do the things that we love to do. So it really was driven by what's more important to us, to have a little bit more money and work a few more years, or to capture those couple years of freedom, you know, while we while we knew that we could enjoy them. So that was really what drove us to make the decision to jump out a little bit early. So the Ten Commandments, let's hit number one. Okay, number one, have an attitude of gratitude. And, you know, I think this really goes to the core of it. I mean, obviously, anybody probably listening to this radio station or anybody in the Western world who, you know, we're, we're, we have material wealth beyond almost anybody else in the world. And... I think it just becomes, it's too easy to get comfortable with what we have and not realize how, you know, how thankful we really should be for what we have. And then you take that to a guy, you know, and his wife, they're going to retire at age 55, even more so, right? I mean, the, to get the opportunity to retire, let alone retire young, be thankful for that, you know, enjoy every day, have a great attitude about it, and, and just be positive and be thankful because, uh, you know, we got a lot to be thankful for. And, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's a good reminder, so I made it number one. You are the happiest person alive, aren't you? <laughs> Not always. I, you know, I, I, I've always been upbeat. I'm always a glass half full. You know, we all go through mood swings. I mean, of course you do, right? But I, I think, you know, a lot of how you go through life and how you, you know, experience things is dependent on how you think about them and how you look at them. And, and that's something we can control. So I've, I've always tried to keep a positive attitude, and there's no doubt in my mind that it, it, it leads to a lot more enjoyable life. So, you know, we all have our ups and downs, but I do try to focus on the up. Well, it's definitely contagious, my friend. It's definitely contagious. Let's go with commandment number two. Okay, this one is, uh, actually, did you see what I did with the post? I actually made it a 1A, so I snuck 11 commandments in, and these are both <laughs> tied, because I couldn't decide which one was more important to me. So 1A was uh, give with a generous heart, and it really was about, hey, look, we've been blessed with a lot of, you know, things to be thankful for, and let's not be selfish with it. You know, let's let's recognize there's a lot of people that are in worse shape than, than we are, and don't be stingy with your stuff, you know? I mean, yeah, you could save another 10% or whatever, or you could save, you know, whatever you're saving, maybe a little bit more, and give a little bit more away, right? I mean, we, we we try to focus on being generous, you know, supporting things that we believe in, you know, give a big tip to the waitress, right? I mean, how, how much does it cost you to give a 40% tip or something to some waitress who's struggling and, and, you know, she crushed it on your table? Just think of how much joy you can bring somebody for a little amount of money and just view view money that way. Money's not that important. Be generous with it. You, you know, without question, because I think... Um... 
you know, people are the happy. I mean, you've seen the studies, right? Uh, it, the people that give a little bit more, um, you know, tend to be a little bit more happy. And it, yeah, that's right. For, and, and, and conversely, I mean, I'm sure you know some people. You know, I know some people. Obviously, people that are like really self-absorbed and and really, you know, you know the type I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, those te- those type of people, not coincidentally, I guess they they can sometimes be pretty miserable people. I, and th- I think there's a correlation, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely believe you're right there. Let's go with the next commandment. Okay, the next one is to pursue your passions. And, and really, I guess this one, Joe, goes to the fact that, hey, you're finally done working. You've got your freedom. You know, take advantage of it. Don't sit around and watch TV, right? I mean, live your life while you're able to live it, doing the things that, that bring you excitement. And, you know, it's not easy, right? We've for I wrote a post last week about uh, um, 100 Days to Freedom. And I was talking about how, you know, since we were four years old and went into, you know, pre-K for half days or whatever, we've had somebody telling us what to do for, you know, 50 plus years. Well, now for the first time in our lives, we don't have to have somebody telling us what to do. We don't need to earn the money anymore. Shame on us if we don't find something to do that that gives us that excitement, that drive that we no longer have to commit our time to earning a paycheck. Go out and do something that you really want to do. And okay, it's not necessarily easy to find something that you have a passion for, but shame on us if we don't go out and pursue it and and try to find some things that we really enjoy. Without question, and I've been guilty of this, um, where it, I was so focused on work, my career, the company, yep. and everything else, where you just you you, you, didn't, you don't really think about anything else, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, it, what happens when this is not here? Yep. You know, and I think that's why a lot of retirees they don't necessarily plan for. You know, what it's going to look like when you don't have those responsibilities, when you don't have your coworkers that you can, you know, maybe grab a beer with or, you know, uh, because the phone might stop ringing because your social circles might disappear. So finding yeah. that passion is so important. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, I think if you if you talk to people that have kind of gone through the retirement transition, you know, I've, I've been interested in it for a while. And, and some of the guys I've talked to and, and women, I guess, too, but, you know, people that have retired before me, it seems like those people that are running right up until the end and then boom, they're retired. I mean, literally, they're like getting off a plane back from Brazil on the couple days before they retire type of thing. You know, Th- those those types of approaches to retirement can 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 be kind of disruptive because you haven't really started trying to ramp up. So I, I kind of view it like. Start building some ramps into retirement while you're still working, and and then when you, when the road kind of comes down to a halt on your working years, you've kind of already started building the road for your retirement years, and there and there's some overlap. We've probably had a two or three year overlap. I started my blog, you know, we're doing some other stuff. I bought a drone, you know, we play around with stuff, trying to start developing those interests because I don't think I don't think you have to wait until you retire, and I think you're better off if you don't wait. So that's that's what that one's all about. So have you written out your own retirement manifesto yet? If you need to flesh out the financial details of your retirement a little bit better, we've got a guide for that. Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download our free retirement readiness guide. You'll learn little known secrets about controlling your taxes in retirement, creating income to last a lifetime, how to make the most of your retirement investing strategy, and much more. Learn seven plays to help you get retirement ready, despite the uncertainties we may face with market volatility, rising healthcare costs, and the future of social security. It won't cost you a dime, so download the free retirement Retirement Readiness Guide from the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, talking to Fritz Gilbert. He uh, has a great blog called the retirementmanifesto.com. And we're talking about the 10 commandments of retirement. Fritz, uh, what's the next one? 
keep the balance. Um, I'll tell you the story here. This was uh, this was sad. I, I took a Dale Carnegie course early in my career. I was like 24 years old. And it was like an eight-week class or something. And like week six, we noticed that this guy that had been in the class, it was a pretty small class, you know, 10 or 15 of us. And I'll call him Bob, but, you know, Bob wasn't there. And we said to the instructor, hey, what happened to Bob? Well, here it turns out that Bob had committed suicide the night before. And somehow our instructor, you know, knew Bob better than just, they must have had some kind of a connection because he said, uh, he said, yeah, he said, you know, he said, uh, let me just tell you something about Bob. He said, you know, life is like a wheel and you've got all these different things in your life that are like spokes. You know, you've got your, your family, you've got your religion, you've got your job, you've got your finances, you've got your, you know, whatever. And those are all spokes in the wheel. And, you, you know, it's important to keep your spokes about the same length. And he said, Bob had some spokes that were really out of whack. And he said, if your spokes aren't the same length, your wheel doesn't turn very well. And that stuck with me more than anything else I learned in that class to the point where when I'm writing my Ten Commandments of Retirement, you know, it's number three. Because uh, I still remember Bob and, and, the, and the impact that that had on me, you know, 30 years ago. So um, keep balance, you know. Life's all about balance. It definitely. I mean, everything is almost correlated, right? It's, all right, you got to find a passion because if everything is work, well, there's no balance there because then yeah. when you do, you know, decide to retire, it's like, oh, now I'm going to try to find, you know, so finding that balance throughout, which is an awesome analogy, you know, keeps the keeps the wheels going. What's, uh, yeah. speaking of rolling, what's the next one? Okay, next one is no obligations. And and basically, you know, my, my point on this, I, I've known a lot of people who, as soon as they retire, they start getting calls, you know, hey, will you come do consulting for us or whatever? Obviously, your network's alive, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm just, again, these are my self-imposed guidelines. I am kind of telling myself, look, take 12 months off and don't commit to anything. Really take time to kind of detox, decompress, and figure out what you want this next phase of your life to be. Don't get sucked into just continuing to work because, you, you, you know, your phone starts ringing. So that's kind of a, hey, take a break. You know, force yourself to take a break and don't take on obligations for at least 12 months. That's that's what I'm trying to do there. And, and part of what I'm going to do instead of those obligations is, is the next one, number five, is try new things. And, and, you know, we're, my wife and I have just been coming up with as many ideas as we can of doing things that we haven't done before. I think I might have mentioned to you guys last time when we talked, you know, we got this cookie jar by our bed and we just have a notepad there and we just write notes at random, each one of us, and we kind of drop them in the cookie jar. Neither one of us knows what the other one's writing, but it's just things that we have thought about in our area, you know, keep an eye out, things that we can try. And we're just, we're determined to try as many new things as we can over the next year to see what we like. You know, see what we what we have passion for. And, and it, yeah, like you say, so many of these things go together. There's a lot of overlap. But, you know, I think it's it's too easy to get stuck in a rut. And we're really going to try to break that and, and just try as many different things as we can over the next 12 to, you know, well, hopefully the next, you know, 20 years. But we're going to start our retirement with that type of mindset. So is there ever been a time where you opened up the cookie jar and read what your wife said and we're like, <laughs> there's no chance? No, I, I haven't even thought about that. I swear, I've never even thought about doing that. So, no, I've not. I've not looked at a single thing. And and as far as I know, I don't think she's looked at mine. But I, you know, I don't know. Maybe she has. So maybe she's pulling mine out, and, and it's all hers. And I'll find out after we retire. You know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What's the next one? All right, next one. You guys like this? Be out in San Diego. You guys got a, a very health-oriented culture out there. I, I live in North Georgia in the mountains here, right by the start of the Appalachian Trail. But this is about taking care of your body. And you know, there's there's so much evidence that you know there's a lot of things we can't control. But if you really focus on fitness, especially as you get into your 50s and into your 60s, you can add years of productive, you know, healthy, enjoyable life, you know, and, and I think back to a neighbor I had at one of our, 
homes that we lived along the way. The guy was like 73 years old. He was still running ultra marathons. Greatest guy, you know, best best guy you've ever met. Really, really just full of life. And and he made an impression on me. And and he ran like five days a week, you know. And the guy's in his 70s. And and I ran a half marathon with him. And I'm like, man. And, and I teased him at the time. I said, Joe, I said I'm going to keep track of our time. And I said, when I'm 73, my goal is to beat your time in the half marathon, you know. So there's there's no reason to ever stop taking care of your body. And and when you retire, you've got even more time to do it, right? So it's more important than it's ever been because you're getting older and you've got more time to do it. So make it a priority. You know, we joined a gym. We're, we're taking spin classes. My wife's taking yoga, you know, whatever. We're finding different ways in hiking and things like that, mountain biking, anything you can do that that keeps you physically active, man, it's, it's never more important in your life than when you're, when you're right on the cusp of retirement. Yeah. And you got to keep at it too. You know, my mom turned 69 and so she does a little bit of workout and then all of a sudden she's sore and then it's like, okay, well, a month goes by and then she's like, you know, I got to get back to it. So you, you got to take it slow too, uh, but yeah. you, you have to be consistent with it because, you know, with any age, it, it's really difficult you know, to, to to be committed to, um, you know, to good health. So yeah, and, and you know, I think I think part of that is just you've got to build it into a routine because you're right. I mean, you stop for a week, and it's it, and I, and I'm sure with your mom being 69, you know, my dad's 83, and I mean, he he still walks every day. But if you stop at that age. Think about how much harder it would be to, to restart than if you're talking, in, you know, in your 40s or 50s. I mean, it, it, that doesn't get any easier, right? So it, it becomes almost more important to, to make it part of your routine and just be consistent with it. Uh, what's next on your list? Okay, number seven, we're getting close to the end here, is stay flexible to change. You know, I think um, one thing that I'm, I know is that I don't know what retirement's going to be like, right? I, I have expectations, but I, I know I'm probably wrong because you, you can never experience what that's going to be like until you're really there. So uh, this is just a reminder to myself, look, things might not be the way you're expecting them to be. That's okay. Be flexible. Go with the flow. You know, figure out what you can do and, and, and try new things. Change, you know, move along with, you know, go with the current. And, uh, and be flexible to it, you know, be, be optimistic, be open to it, enjoy it, and uh, don't get stuck in your ways. You know, that's... Uh... That is a lot easier said than done because I have clients, not mentioning any names, that are in their 70s and yep. 80s, and it's difficult to change. You know, when you have been successful for so many years of doing things a certain way, but guess what? The world changes around you, and if you don't adapt and change, you know, then that's when things get on the other side of the coin. Yeah, and you know, I mean, these are aspirational goals. These are reminders. I actually <laughs> cut it out. I'm, I'm holding the pizza in my truck in my driveway. Um, I'm, I'm holding a cutout of the Ten Commandments summary from the post, and I'm actually going to hang this in my office, you know, here at the cabin, and and I'm just going to kind of have it there and kind of refresh my memory with it because you know, yeah, people get stuck in their ways. Oops, I quit exercising. You know, hey, I, I got a bad attitude. You know, all these things are are intended to be reminders of of the way I want it to be. Hey, let's let's not kid ourselves, right? We all fall short of where we want to be, and being flexible to change, you're right. It, it's change. People always resist change. It's just human nature, and this is just, hey, accept it. You know, <laughs> go, go with the flow. We'll see how it works out. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's next? Okay, the last three, I'll summarize them quickly, but they're important. Number eight, is cherish friends and family. You know, I think everything I've read is is relationships, especially as you mentioned earlier, you lose all the work relationships. You know, relationships in retirement are one of the 
key criteria they found to people that have a really enjoyable retirement, it's because they've really fostered these relationships. And the natural evolution in life is, hey, your friends die, their friends move away, you know, you're, you get stuck in your little world and you don't go out as much as you used to go out. You know, don't let that happen. Really foster friendships, find ways to connect with people and, and you know, obviously cherish your family. So that's, that's number eight. Number nine, you know, hey, let's not forget, we're, this is life, right? Let's, let's enjoy it. So it's have fun, you know, pretty simple. Hey, let's keep it fun. You know, we're, we're free. We're not working anymore. Shame on us if we don't go out and have a little bit of fun with life. You know, that's, we've worked a long time to get here. Let's, let's not lose perspective and, uh, you know, get miserable. What are you kidding me? You know, these are the best years of our lives. We finally have our freedom. We still have our health. Go out there and have some fun, you know? Well, what is your idea of fun? I, you know, we'll find out. We've got we, what we're doing right now. We've got the first six months planned. We're we're going out with our camper. You know, we got mountain bikes. We're going to be doing outdoor stuff. We're going kayaking. You know, to us right now, that's what we think is going to be fun. I love to fly fish, so I'm going to be out fly. It, it's all outdoors related. You know, physical activity. Um, that's what we think. You know, is going. To, I'll tell you another one we're doing. My wife has always wanted to go cross country on a train, right? So I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. So we're gonna. Our daughter lives in Seattle, so we're gonna. We we're actually we're gonna call Amtrak this weekend and. And we're booking the tickets in August to, to go cross-country on Amtrak because we've never done it before, and it sounds fun. So, you know, it's it's being open to things that you want to do that you think might be fun. Well, go ahead and do them. You know, try them. You, you just don't know. It's kind of like trying new things, but it's it's just remember whether you have fun or something, it, it's your choice at this point. You don't have a boss telling you what to do. You know, try to try to pursue things that you think are going to be fun in your life. Let's, let's, you know, keep it uplifting. Right. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, it's you're not working. You know, you're, you're with yep. the people that you, you enjoy being with. Um, you, you can make it whatever that you want it to. And what's the last one? Okay, the last one is, is, is the most important in my mind. It's keep eternity in mind. You know, we, we talk about what's our legacy going to be and things like that. And, and I don't really go spiritual on my blog. It's more about personal finance and retirement. But, you know, I think it's important to think about longer-term things and eternity and the spiritual side of life is a really important aspect. And I don't judge others. I don't care what they choose to do. That's none of my business. But for me, you know, it's something that's important. And I, and I want to live my life along the, the Christian values that are important to me. And, and I just encourage people to, to think about their own spiritual needs and beliefs and live accordingly. It's one of the most important things in our life. So take care of it. The Retirement Manifesto. That's it. Man, it's so good to talk to you, Fritz. Right, well, you guys got the life of Riley. You're living out in San Diego, Southern California, beautiful people, beautiful climate. You got great jobs. You got your podcast. What's not to love about <laughs> life, you know? That's great. So, uh, uh, well, you can find Fritz Gilbert at theretirementmanifesto.com, theretirementmanifesto.com. Fritz is absolutely right. We've got it made here in Southern California, but it's easy to get sidetracked by those beautiful people and that beautiful climate. You need to do a little bit of financial planning so you can follow those 10 commandments in retirement. What will be your sources of retirement income? How do you manage risk and protect your assets? What about market volatility? Our two-day retirement courses and our free monthly lunch and learn events can give you the tools and confidence you need to help you plan for the retirement you've always dreamed of right here in SoCal. For dates, times, and locations for our Lunch and Learn events and retirement classes in San Diego, Orange County, or Los Angeles, just visit the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. In handy bullet point format. This week, 10 tax efficiency tips. 
I actually wrote these myself. There's a blog on our website at purefinancial.com if you want more information. So let's get right into it. Number one is take advantage of your employer-sponsored retirement savings plan. So if your employer has a 401k or 403b or 457, something like that, you can contribute up to $18,500 pre-tax annually. This is for 2018. It went up a little bit. Now, if you're 50 or older, there's a $6,000 what they call a catch-up. And so you can actually do 24500 Realize that uh, this is money that comes out of your pay. It goes directly to your retirement account. You get to generally invest it how you want to. And your employer may have many investment options, or they may have just a few. You'll need to check with them. Uh, a very nice thing about these plans is many employers offer a match, which means that if you put in a dollar, they'll put in a dollar. And so the, and they'll often do a 3% match or a 4% match or a 5% match, 2%. Sometimes it depends upon the plan itself. But uh, you definitely want to contribute at least up to that match because why not? If you're putting in a dollar, your employer's matching it, $2 are going into your account, and that money is going to be available for your retirement. I realize that many of you may not be able to completely contribute the max uh, of $18,500 or $24,500, but try very hard to at least contribute up to your employer's match, whether it's 3%, 4%, whatever the number is. And then after that, I would say, um, and I know it's difficult because in Southern California or across the country for that matter, life is expensive, but try to add another 1%, 2 or 3% of your gross pay each year as you get raises. So maybe you're 4% this year, maybe try to bump it up to 6% next year, 8% the year after. A really good goal would be to get up to about 15 or 20% of your gross income into the, into the plan itself. If you do that year after year, you're, you're gonna be all right for retirement. Now, if you're starting later, if you're starting, let's say in your 50s or 60s, uh, you may have to kind of jumpstart that even a little bit more. But remember this, the earlier you start doing this, the better. But even if you're 60, 65, you can improve your retirement situation by starting today. So I would tell you, don't procrastinate. Number two here is Roth IRA contributions. And a Roth IRA, if you don't know, this is, I, I think, one of the greatest gifts the IRS has given us maybe in the last couple of decades you can contribute $5,500 per year to a Roth in 2018 or $6,500 if you're 50 and older. This would be subject to earned income. So you have to have salaries or self-employment income. But even if you don't, let's say you're retired and your spouse is working, you can utilize your spouse's earned income to contribute to your own Roth IRA. So if you have this, uh, if you have earned income available to you, don't miss out on this. Th this is a pretty good deal. Now, you don't get a tax deduction. But once the money goes into the Roth IRA, that initial uh, contribution, your principal, future growth, income are all 100% tax-free upon withdrawal at retirement. Now realize that uh, in general, you need to be at least 59 and a half years of age and own your Roth IRA for at least five years to be able to withdraw fully out of the Roth. Uh, there are exceptions. They get kind of complicated. I won't go into them right now. But that's, that's, you're, you're saving these for retirement. Now, not everyone can make a Roth IRA contribution because there are income limitations. If you're single and you're adjusted gross income, for 2018, as long as it's below $120,000, then you can fully contribute to your Roth. 
If it's over 135000 as a single person, you can no longer make Roth contributions. And in between those two amounts is a phase-out period where you can do a partial. For married couples, the phase-out period is 189000 to 199000 But uh, if you're over those amounts, don't worry, because there is something called a backdoor Roth or Roth two-step. So if you're phased out of making Roth contributions because your income's too high, it's this backdoor Roth allows you to contribute money in kind of a tricky way. With this method, you contribute $5,500 to your traditional IRA, or $6,500 if you're 50 and older, and then you turn right around and uh, do a Roth IRA conversion. And then you don't end up paying taxes on that conversion because you never got a tax deduction in the first place. So this is a, it's kind of a workaround. We actually thought that this might go away with the new tax law, but it's still there. So take advantage of that. Now, there's something else related to Roths, which is called Roth conversions. And this is the fourth tip for you to minimize taxes, is if you can take money out of your IRA, your 401k, your 403b. You can convert it to a Roth IRA. Now, yes, you'll pay taxes on that conversion, but whatever that grows to, like let's say you convert $50,000 in one year, and yeah, you'll have to pay taxes on that $50,000, but it grows to whatever, 100000 couple hundred thousand, whatever the number is down the road for retirement. All that money that's in the Roth will be 100% tax-free. You, you never pay any taxes on that future growth and in income. And if, you, um, if the account outlives you, your spouse can get it tax-free or your kids can get it tax-free. So it's a great benefit. What you might want to think about is look at your current tax bracket, see where you're at right now, look at what your retirement tax bracket might be, and, uh, and then figure out if it makes sense for you to convert. Now, not necessarily everybody should convert if you're in a high, very high tax bracket, but you'd be surprised. There's, there's probably more opportunities for, than, for you that, than you might know. You might want to take a look at my blog for a little bit more information on this one. Tax loss harvesting, this is uh, another one. This is where if you have uh, money outside of retirement account and you invest it, you're trying to make money, but as you know, the market doesn't always go up. So when it does go down, and uh, it tends to be temporary, although temporary can be years in some cases, but when the market does correct, you have an opportunity to sell an investment at a loss and take that loss on your tax return. That loss can be used dollar for dollar against other capital gains. So if you have a $10,000 capital loss, and in the same year you have a $10,000 capital gain, those two will offset and you won't pay any taxes. And in many cases, uh, in a down year, you might want to take advantage of, of all the losses that you can because you can carry over those losses in future years. Now let's get into charity for those of you that are charitably inclined. Uh, and something that's not a new idea, bunching charitable donations, taking a whole bunch and putting them in one year instead of spread out over several years. The reason is because the standard deduction for 2018 is a lot higher. Single people, it's $12,000. Married people, it's $24,000. And there's limits on some of the things that you can deduct. So many people are not going to be able to itemize their deductions, which means their charitable donations won't help them from a tax standpoint. Now, if you, if you do, let's say, two or three or four years all at one time in a particular year, you might have enough contributions to get over those limits. That's what bunching is. Of course, if you do that, I bet you your charity is going to be knocking on the door because they see this big donation and they think you're going to do it each year. So I got a workaround for that, which is our next strategy, which is using a donor-advised fund. 
So this is where you can set up an account with a custodian like TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelity, whatever. You put the money into the account, and then uh, you get a tax deduction in that year you open the account. It's not the year charity gets those dollars, so you get to dole that out as you want to. So this can be a way to take advantage of bunching charitable donations, or it could be a, a good thing if you're in a very high income year. Better yet, uh, with your donor advice fund or any charitable donations for that matter, is to donate appreciated stock because you can give your, your stock outside of retirement that's gone up in value. You can give it directly to charity, and in that manner, whatever it's worth on the date that you donate it is your tax deduction, and uh, you don't have to pay the tax on that gain. So that's a, that's a pretty good benefit, and the charities are happy doing this because they're nonprofit. When they sell the stock, they don't pay any tax at all. Uh, another strategy, this is brand new for 2018, is you might want to think about becoming an independent contractor if you're an employee because there's a new 20% deduction on small business income. So for sole proprietorships, partnerships, LLCs, S-corporations, and the like. And so if you all of a sudden are an independent contractor making 100000 bucks as an example, you might get a $20,000 tax deduction. If you have basically the same job and you're an employee, there's no tax deduction. Now, not everyone's going to qualify. This is a very complicated area of this new law, so just be aware that uh, you're going to need to do some planning here. Now, if you're already a small business, then uh, make sure you understand how this works because this could be a big tax saver for you. The final item I want to talk about is solar power, which... Uh, we thought maybe it was uh, going to come get out of the law, but actually got extended with recent tax legislation. Uh, for 2018, 2019, you can still take the 30% tax credit on uh, the amounts that, uh, that, you that you invest in solar power. So $30,000 for solar power means a $9,000 tax credit. And remember, a tax credit is way more valuable than a tax deduction because that comes off your taxes dollar for dollar, a tax deduction, you simply reduce your taxable income. So to kind of summarize, there's a bunch of things that you can do with your retirement plans, with Roth IRAs, with donations, with tax loss harvesting. We got this new 199A 20% deduction for small businesses. Don't forget solar power. There's a lot more things, but that's all I had time for this segment. That's it for us today. Thanks for listening. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll see you next time. So to recap today's show, there are plenty of things you can do to reduce your taxes. You just need to know what they are. Visit purefinancial.com slash blog and look for 10 tax efficiency tips you need to know. Read them and then you will know. Trump's tariffs may be playing a bit of havoc with the markets, but market volatility is here to stay. Don't let it mess with your financial strategy. And retirement isn't all about financial strategy. There's a softer side of it, too. Special thanks to our guest, Fritz Gilbert, for sharing it with us. Follow along on his retirement adventure at theretirementmanifesto.com. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on Apple Podcasts on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer live on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personal investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.